Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Amen. It's a privilege again for me to be here this morning to bring the word to you. Um, If you weren't here on Monday night, I can strongly recommend that you get the teaching that Steve did on asking. It was amazing. Those of you that are here, it was amazing. Thank you, Steve. So we're going to continue in prayer because this is the month of prayer. And I've been asked to do one of the teachings. So I've kind of indulged myself in Andrew Womack's teachings on audio called A Better Way to Pray for the last, I would say, six weeks. And I've got so much out of it. And I'm trusting that you're going to get a couple of nuggets this morning from me that will basically make you want to pray again, because sometimes prayer can just be hard work. And I'm going to hopefully, through the Holy Spirit, set you free from the burden of how you have been called to pray. Okay, so let's pray together. Father God, I ask that you open my heart and my mind to revelation by the Holy Spirit. I want to say to you today, Father, that I surrender any preconceived ideas I have and I ask for revelation and I ask for newness to come upon my spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now let me say, oh, are you helping me? Shut. Okay, thank you. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 to 18. It's quite a difficult scripture, hey? Because it says, always be joyful. Not sometimes, always. Never stop praying. Or pray without ceasing if you're old-fashioned. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will. It's God's will. For you, he belong to Christ Jesus. It's quite a hard scripture that, hey? Praying without ceasing. It's quite a tall order. Let's just go on to the next one. Next one. I point that way. Okay. So just in opening, I want to describe the two words that are used in the Bible that explain prayer. The meaning of prayer, very simply put, is to worship. Prayer and the word worship interchange a lot in the Bible or to kiss one's face. That's what prayer is. And that's not confined to the Christian religion. That's prayer of any sort. It's to worship the God of your choice or to kiss their face. But in the Old Testament specifically, the Bible uses the word tefillah, pronounced tefalo, like tefalo, like phyllo pastry. And it means a prayer of self-examination. This is Old Testament. You examine yourself and a labor of love. It also means to beg, implore, beseech, etc., etc. We see this in, with Abraham when God says he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Adam, Abraham says to God, or he prays God, will you not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for so many people? And so it goes down to he would not destroy it for even 10 people. But that was he was begging, he was beseeching, he was imploring, um, he was examining, he was doing all the Old Testament things in order that was the Old Testament way of praying. And we have to realize that that kind of prayer has also passed through the cross. 
and we have a new way of praying. So we see in the Old Testament, our prayers were to try and change God's mind about a decision that he had made. You see, God wasn't bound by the law, but he had to, it was almost like the law bound God. So when he said, if you do this, you will die, you knew that God was going to, that was going to happen. So then your prayers would be to beg, beseech, and implore God to, oh, please change your mind. So that was the Old Testament way of praying. Now, in the New Testament, the word is proyucha, pronounced prosuch. Okay, it's a Greek word. And if you're Greek, you would know exactly what God was onto. And that word is made up of two words, which was pros, and that's a preposition. If anybody is interested in what it is, and that shows your position to your God. How close you are, how intimate you are with God, that you're coming face to face with your God. Um, so pros shows your position with God and your relationship with your Savior. Um, it's basically the realm where the natural realm and the spirit realm meet. That's plus the position. The natural realm and the spirit realm come together. God is out there and you. Then the second part is yucha, and that's pronounced UK. You like the United Kingdom? Yucha. I don't know. I'm not Greek. Anybody Greek? You can pronounce it for me. And that's to pray with a... Let me try and keep up with my own slide. That's to pray with a wish. So you've prayed, you've wished for something, you've asked God for something, and there's a sacrifice attached to this. Now remember, this is New Testament prayer. Jesus was our ultimate sacrifice. So basically, you're coming to God, you're expressing a desire, and you're saying, if you give me my wish, I will sacrifice something. And I had to think quite long and hard about this word. And I realized that the sacrifice that God requires of us is our will. Not your will, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus said, I come to you so that I might make the will of the Father known, to make his love known. Jesus says, I only do that that the Father shows me to do. What had happened, he could pray and he could ask God for healing because his will was totally surrendered to the perfect will of the Father so that he knew what he desired in prayer would happen. And so often our wills are not surrendered to God. And we're praying and we're saying, why, God, am I not seeing anything? It's because you've got to bring a sacrifice of your will now in the new covenant. You're no longer praying to bend the will of God. You are praying to bend your own will so that it submits to what God is calling you to pray for. So when you do wish something from God, when you do ask something for God, you don't pray amiss. That's what the Bible says. Your prayers are answered because you pray amiss. So we need to learn how to sacrifice our wills to the love of the Father and completely trust him as Jesus trusted him when he walked on planet Earth. So, let me just give you a little example. It's not any more, oh God, oh God, deliver me from this addiction that is controlling my life. It's God, deliver me from this addiction and I surrender my desire to do those things. I lay down my will in that area of my addiction and I ask for deliverance. 
And I love the way Stephen prayed this morning. And I'm going to tell you why, because it's something that has begun to stand out to me after like listening to the new way to pray. And I can just hear people, they pray all over the show, and it's like actually becoming a little bit of a pet hate for me. Okay. So your attitude to prayer is like a constant connection with God, that you never stop praying, that you never stop being intimate with him, that you never stop coming face to face with him. And he's made that possible because God is inside of us. I mean, have any of you heard of Madame, what was Jean Guion? Guion? Okay. She was in the 16th century. She was a Catholic lady, grew up in a very wealthy home, was a beautiful woman, ended up getting smallpox. Um, so her skin became scarred and ugly and became a little bit withdrawn. And the Holy Spirit gave her a revelation of God inside of you. She went into the nunnery. And she started teaching all the people around her, God isn't out there anymore. He's in here. You can speak to him inside of yourself. She was obviously a heretic. And she was put in a tower for the rest of her days for being a heretic. So we're going to go on now a little bit because prayer has to move from being about me to being about God. I love the way Andrew Wormack says it. He says that when you, when it's all about God, when you pray, you don't even have to ask. Those thing, things are just going to fall into place. It's just one of those things. And like he says, like, oh, I can give you a hundred examples, but anyway. So it's Jesus, not my, not my will, but your will be done. So it's a constant connection with God. And I was just also thinking, you know, like man, I mean, like when Thomas Edison discovered light bulb and electricity was discovered, man learned how to harness what they could see. And in the last 20 years, Mankind, I must call it humankind or something because that's not politically correct to say mankind anymore. Humankind have learned how to harness the unseen, which is the airwaves, your cell phone, your DSTV. It's just amazing. And I mean, it's like if mankind or humankind can do that, there is so much more for us. What have we not harnessed yet? Okay. I just want to say this thing, and Stephen told me to be very... Okay, first of all, my, my opening lines when I wrote down, it was like I said, prayer is like breathing. I know somebody mentioned that it's not a natural thing for them, but for me, it's very natural. From a child, I can remember anything I would pray. Anything I would pray. I prayed to my Catholic God then, and I was so proud because I was in the church where God lived. All the other churches, God wasn't there. So <laughs> I was so proud. I remember looking up at the church building and saying, God, thank you so much for putting me in this amazing church where you live. So, But for me, it's always been like just a natural thing. But, I mean, it has changed from, oh, God, why do you hate me so much that you've got to punish me? That, that, that's kind of fallen by the way as I've gotten to know God a whole lot better. So we're all like that. So I just wrote down my first line, teaching you to pray is like for me trying to teach you how to breathe. And then, then Stephen's blog came through and he spoke about breathing and I was like, oh wow, okay. <laughs> it's like, but it really is like teaching you how to breathe because it's something that should come incredibly naturally to you. And if I had to say to you, okay, every day, now for the rest of your lives, 
Put one hour aside and concentrate and focus on your breathing. Otherwise, your breathing will stop. I would dread that one hour every day where I'd have to stop everything and begin to <gasps> just focus for the breathing. Otherwise, I'm no longer qualified to breathe. It would be hectic. And I think there are more Christians that have become into bondage with quiet times and prayer times that have been put on them than any other area of the Christian walk. Any other area of your Christian walk. Do you know, it's like, like Stephen was saying, please don't like release people from that because so many people need that. And I mean, I understand that. And if it gives you life, please do it. But if you find that that one hour a day is keeping you in bondage and when you miss it one day and you miss it the next day and you miss it the next day, you say, oh, what the heck? What the heck? I can't do this thing. It has put you into bondage and you need to be set free from that thing because you pray continuously without stopping because that is the will of the Father, is that constant intimacy with him. So for some people, appointments are good. And for others, it can put you into bondage. So please, if you love your prayer time and it's giving you life and your quiet time, continue to do that. But if you find that it's making you feel bad, especially when I had babies, oh my gosh, hey, you're just about to read your Bible and do the right thing and the baby cries. And then it's one day after the next, after the next, after the next, and you think, what the heck, and you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay. <laughs> or you relinquish your responsibility as a mother and you leave the baby to scream, and that's not good either because God didn't call you to be a mother with a screaming baby. So you've got to get a nice balance over there, okay? But can you imagine that like if Stephen and I had one hour a day where we would meet to get together to pray and make requests of each other and tell each other what we love about each other, what we don't like about each other, and if we missed it, that was too bad. And the next day, it would not be healthy for our natural relationship. One of my pet gripes is Steve, okay? I love exposing his weaknesses, as he says from the pulpit. As I get to church and X and X is happening, I say, but I didn't know about that, Steve. You didn't tell me. You say, why don't you read the minutes? I'm like, you don't send your wife minutes. <laughs> it's just one of my pet hates, okay? <laughs> Okay, so let's not make our prayer times or our quiet times about me and what I can do for God and how self-disciplined I am and more about God and what he's going to do for you because you're coming pros with him, face-to-face, -face, intimate with him, just loving him. And he doesn't care if you do it on the toilet or if you do it in the shower or if you do it on your bed or if you do it on your knees. He does not care. He just wants that intimacy with you because you were created for intimacy with God. Old Andrew Womack says, like, he went, you know, these prayer formulas that come around and he had his, he had decided that 6.30 every morning, I know Steve's told about standing on the bath on each side trying to stay awake while he prayed. But Andrew Romack spoke about 6.30 a.m. was his prayer time and his alarm would go off and it didn't matter what he was doing, he had to stop and go and have his prayer time. And eventually one day he said to God, I'm, I hate these times, or oh, I dread these times. 
And God said, I'm dreading them more than you. <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> okay, we're going to read from Matthew now. We were going to read from Matthew now. Um, chapter 6, verse 15 to 13. I'm reading from the Message Bible. And it says this. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people are making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place that has brought so many people into bondage. I'll tell you about my quiet, secluded place. So that you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. Hello, next one. Hmm? This is so annoying. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They are full of formulas, programs, and advice, peddling techniques. I've thought of so often we've had people come in and teach on prayer, and then we pay them an honorarium. They've peddled their technique. No, it's true, and I've been I've been gone into bondage with Bob with it. For what you want from God, don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this, and he goes on to teach you about the Lord's Prayer. And once again, da 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 da, the Lord's Prayer was made into a formula. This is the way you pray, and this is the only way you pray. Typical man, humankind. We have to have formulas and rules and regulations. And they've taken it like, okay, now when you pray, begin with asking for forgiveness. Search your heart. That's Old Testament. I search my heart of God. Am I willing, am I able to come to you to pray today? Forgive me for this. Forgive me for that. Okay. All right. All that's out of the way. Now I'm going to worship you, God. You're wonderful. You're great. I adore you. I love you. I'm sitting on your lap right now, twiddling you around my little finger because I'm going to ask you for something. Seriously, that's the way we were taught. If you worship God and you come into his presence and you've got a pure heart, God will answer your requests. It's a lot of hogwash that has kept people in bondage and separated from their God because none of us, not one of us sitting here today is perfect. And if we had a way to, only Jesus is perfect and our faith and our trust in him. We don't have to manipulate God to answer our prayers. He wants to answer your prayers. All we have to do is surrender our wills to God. Okay, so don't fall for that nonsense. And the whole thing, why, why this is put in the scripture and why Jesus spoke about this was because the Pharisees had demonstrations of prayer. And we get that in the church today. The one who can pray the longest and the loudest and the strongest and the most articulate is the most spiritual and the most wonderful. It's not supposed to be like that. We're just called 
to intimacy with God. So God, so Jesus was saying, it's not about how loud, long, and articulate are. It's about how intimate you are with God. It's about how you feel when you're on your own inside of a cupboard about God. And I remember as a very young Christian, very young Christian, I had made a request of God. I can't even remember what it was. And some very wise older Christian told me to go into my cupboard. And if I stayed in my cupboard, my prayer would be answered. I was at work. So I went into the cupboard, which was like the stationary room. And I closed the door and I sat on my bottom and I waited. Because now I was in my cupboard. I hello? Nothing happened. An hour later I came out and I thought, now what was that all about? Nothing. God will talk to you in your cupboard, he said. God never spoke to me. It was, uh, the focus was on me and not on God and what I was doing and not what God can do for me. So, out of your cupboards, everybody. <laughs> He's not saying don't ever pray publicly. He just says don't make a show of it like the Pharisees did. So he was bringing that contrast in to bring that balance back into mankind, into the church. My prayer life has evolved, and I trust that yours has as well. If you can think back to your very first prayers, I mean, obviously mine was in the Catholic Church, and I prayed to Mary, and I prayed to St. Joseph, and I prayed to St. Christopher, and I prayed to St. Francis, and I prayed to... Many others, but hardly ever to Jesus, because I was taught that a mother is the best one to speak to her son. So if I can manipulate Janet, I can get to rain. So I would pray to Mary, because Mary would then be able to get Jesus' attention on my behalf. And if I lost something, there was even a saint that you could pray to to help you find things that you had lost. Huh? Have many of you, do you know what I'm talking about, Terry? So there was, a, there was a saint basically for everything. But then from the Catholic Church, I came into this wonderful relationship with God where I had an encounter with God, and all I wanted to do was read my Bible and be in his presence. And um, then, as I say, these people that come and peddle their techniques of how to pray and teaching you rituals and formulas invaded my life. And do you know... It was so hard to pray because I'm not a technique personality. I'm a bit of a more of an impromptu kind of a person. I don't like formulas because I get bored with formulas. And I like it when God, I have different times with God. And like there are times where you're going to encounter God and laugh and roll. And there's times where you just experience his love for you. And there's different times. And we mustn't put God in a box. This is how you need to manifest yourself to me. You're limiting how you can experience God when you put him into a box. Okay, and I just want to say this, that like our prayer is our worship. Do you know when you did worship, you were praying? That wasn't your prayer time specifically, but when you worship and you're saying, God is good, God is good, God is good, like repetition a little bit. You're, you are praying and you're declaring the goodness of God. Um, reading your Bible is your prayer time. Do you know how often God has spoken to me while I read my Bible? Seriously, get back to reading your Bible. It's amazing. Things just jump up at you the whole time. 
and you realize that there's this I have come face to face with the spirit realm where there's an interaction between me and God. Reading your Bible, I would say even your communication with people is your prayer life because the Holy Spirit says, I will give you the words what to say. I will teach you. And with your child, you say to the Holy Spirit, teach me, give me those words that I need to say to this person. That's you praying while, you, while you're talking. I mean, aren't we all doing that? I mean, I hope we are. So, I'm so glad that my prayer life has evolved, that I can just have an amazing relationship with my father with no guilt attached. Do we all have that? Do you have that? Do you have a, a prayer life with your father where there's no guilt attached? Whether you've missed praying for two months, when you come to him, there shouldn't be guilt. I'm not saying it's healthy for a Christian to miss praying for two months because that's not the will of Father for you. But it's just that, yeah, we, and we're not battering God up. I mean, I'm just amazed. Like, I was just thinking about, like, that free flow between God and ourselves. It's kind of how, with a cellular phone now, Stephen doesn't leave me alone. My phone rings every five minutes. <laughs> when we were first married, if I was away, I wouldn't hear from him for the whole day. And now we can be constantly connected. And it's the same with your prayer life. There's this constant connection between you and God. Don't leave each other alone. I remember as um, I grew up in a house where we were four girls, one boy, but that didn't matter because he was a lot younger than me. Four girls, landline telephone. Whoever got their call first was the winner because you'd sit on that phone to your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whoever you were chatting to. And you would sit on that phone and then your sister would go, I'm waiting for a call. Get off the phone. Come on, did you all grow up like that? So then my mom said, okay, each of you can only have a call for 20 minutes. Calls no more than 20 minutes once a day. And it's restricted. But now with the cell phone, you can sit on the phone the whole day if you're willing to pay the bill. I mean, like, but there is no, there's no more boundaries. There's nothing blocking. And that's what your prayer life should be. It's passed from the old covenant where you had to bring a sacrifice. You had to sacrifice time. You had to bring your first fruits. You had to do this. You had to examine your heart. And then you could make your request known to God. And then you were hoping that you were able to change the will of God. It's now just that free flow where I'm surrendering my will to his desires for my life. And everything else will fall into place. Seek you first the kingdom of God, and all things will be added to you. Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth, that your will be done here on earth, as it is in heaven. That's the kingdom of God. What is the will of the kingdom? And all things will be added to you. So I just want to quickly, in um, closing... I'm doing well here with time. I'm smiling because <laughs> I normally do so bad. <laughs> uh, gosh. Okay. Those are just my notes that I've run ahead of. Hey. Sorry. Oh, dear. So two types of prayer that I'm going to talk about that are refusing 
to expose themselves. <laughs> Aha, there you go. The first one I'm just going to mention very briefly, and it's become very popular. It's, I would call, a declaration prayer. See, now they're all coming on their own now, hey? I think I pushed too many times. <laughs> it's just going. It's become very popular with Bethel that you have declarations, and everybody stands up and they do declarations together. So declaration prayer is incredibly powerful. It's a kind of prayer that you can write out using the word, and you're speaking that into your situation. So it's like a declaring over rain. I declare the prosperity and the favor of God over rain and over Stephen. I declare the favor and the prosperity of God over this church, over your work, over your contracts, over your business, over your children. It's that kind of a thing. It's like what Joshua Mill spoke to us about when his little girl was in hospital dying. God had told him for many years to get healing verses and scriptures put together. And it came to the to a point when his little girl was in hospital dying and he realized he had to do it. And they took those scriptures and they just spoke the word over her, spoke the word spoke the word. And that's what declaration is. Speaking the word, speaking the word. We, Stephen and I have done it for years, but Bethel have probably formalized it a little bit. And um, I mean, I remember like when I used to work, there was a declaration, God has made you the head and not, I'm talking, I still work, okay? All right, I still work. But I'm telling you when I was dependent on the favor of man in the world. Does that make sense? Stephen would declare words over me and I'd, if he wasn't around, I'd Clear it over myself. God has made you the head and not the tail. He's going to cause you to be a blessing and not like, you know, he's going to give you an abundance and you're going to be the best in your in your work. And I would just declare and declare. Seriously, every day. And I can honestly tell you, one step to the next step, it was just an upward climb. Just declare and release the favor of God over your children. Donna was telling me how she's doing it over her children. She's got amazing declaration prayers that she got a whole book from Bethel of just declaring it over your children, the favor and releasing the favor of God. And that's basically what declaration prayer is. And if there's any area that you're facing something, I can strongly encourage you to get those declaration prayers that you write with your own heart, with your own hand, asking what is the will of God in this situation, and you begin to declare it. Okay, so that was the first one, was declaration prayer that I wanted to speak about. Um, the second one, which is the one which I have probably heard more about in this a new way to pray than anything else, is authoritative prayer. And I can honestly tell you from my heart that soon after I came into this amazing understanding of grace, this authority prayer hit me. Because I moved from the begging prayer of the old covenants Sometimes it would be an authority prayer because, you know, you kind of mix the two up so nicely. There's like a mood. You don't know when you're begging and when you're actually praying with your covenant. And God said to me one day, Jan, why are you asking me to do something you can do? And I said to him, what do you mean? He said, I've given you the authority. He says, I've put it inside of you now for you to use it. So why are you asking me to change the situation? And I realized that from the foundation of the earth, God expected us to be creative with our words, to pull down, to build up, to do his will here on earth. And that is what authority prayer is. It's the power of our words. Jesus in the boat, he didn't even say, 
in the in the name of the Father, I tell this water in these waves to stop gushing. Oh, Father, please stop the storm. He didn't do that. He just said, be still. There was an amazing power and authority that came out of his mouth because he understood, because he had been part of the creation. He was there when they were saying, this is going to happen. Light, dark, this, that. He knew that his words we're going to quiet the storm, and that's authority. And when you know your authority in Christ, you can pray in a better way, and you can just use that authority. Um, basically, let me just try and think. The fig tree. Jesus cursed it. Da. Why did he curse a stupid fig tree? Because it was lying. It had leaves, but it had no fruit. The fig tree was supposed to have both leaves and fruit. So he cursed the tree because it was deceptive. But he just said, you be cursed, da. The power, he knew that he could just do something like this with his words. Be healed. Like he didn't say to, the, to, to those people when the little girl, when they asked for prayer for their little girl who was dead, he didn't say she's dead. He said, Jesus, leap. Because if he had said, okay, she's dead, let's pray for her to come alive, he didn't want to come into agreement with the wrong words over the little girl's life. So he just spoke a word. And then he said, if you had this faith, if you understand what God has done for you, you could move a mountain. Do you understand who God has created you to be? The authority, the power, the creativity that's inside of you. You can move a mountain. Jesus said, tell the mountain to go to the sea and it will. And we've heard very allegorical sermons on it, like the mountain is dead, the mountain is um, drugs, the mountain is... Yes, it is. But he was saying, he was actually saying, you can move a literal mountain. He wasn't speaking about your mountain of death and your mountain of sickness. He was saying, if you believe, if you have faith, your words, your authority can do this. And I don't know many of us that are there because our prayers at the moment are, oh God, please move the mountain. Instead of, I take authority over this mountain of debt right now in Jesus' name. Jesus is the name above all names. Cancer's got a name. I take authority over this cancer in the name of Jesus. No, oh God, please heal my daughter. It's I take authority over this cancer that is attacking my daughter right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare health and healing. That's authority. You're not pulling down a literal mountain, but if you want to practice doing it, let me know when it works. <laughs> I'll get you to pray for me. When Steve prayed this morning, Steve Pobra, so many Steves there, you've got to be quiet. When he prayed over the offering, that was a declaration prayer. Now, once that he said, oh, God, would you please bless these people? He said, I bless these people. I bless their finances. I release this over them. Because that authority is yours. Please, please take a hold of it. We're not under the old covenant where you've got to beg and beseech and implore and try and change the will of God. We know the will of God to give us life, to give us life in abundance. And we just declare that over our, ourselves. God says as well, or the word of God says, I've given who the keys? Who's got keys? Why are you not using your keys? You're staying in your cupboard. 
<laughs> Get out of the cupboard. Use that authority. Okay. So just in closing, I just want to say New Testament prayer is changing our will to the will of God. What is your will? It's so clearly stated. It's not complicated. If you don't read your Bible, ask somebody to read it to you because then you'll know exactly what is will. Focus on the New Testament. When you read the Old Testament, read it through the lenses of what was going to come and what was going to happen when Jesus came. Okay, so don't hold yourself in bondage to trying to change God's will anymore. So prayer denotes intimacy, being face-to-face with God. This is your prosucha, whatever you say it. And it's that constant communion that we have with God. With God, never stop praying. And we all know that out of that prasucha, that pras, which is our position, if we only stay in the pras, we're never going to affect the world. That's your position with God. People that only stay in their place of intimacy with God, face to face with God, become self-absorbed. It's all about me because our intimacy with God, a partner, is for the world around us. So what is transformed in our hearts under the power of God has to impact the world around us. So I've had time with God. I'm going to ask and I'm going to sacrifice. I might sacrifice my time, my will, or whatever. Like the Hindus do votives. Like oh, when we were in Thailand, they send these beautiful flowers and plants and fruits down the river with lights in them. And that's their sacrifice because they're asking God for something. We don't do those kind of sacrifices. He's not asking you to give him anything. He's got everything he needs. He just wants your intimacy with you. So I just want to say, as we do our authority prayer, I just want you to see yourself as the fourth person of the Godhead who's come face to face with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are one with the Godhead, one with the Trinity. Isn't that amazing? Hey? The creative power of this universe is one with you. I mean, we are one with him, whichever way you want to see it. But see yourself as God created you to be and not how you created yourself to be or how your parents created you to be. Because if I was like how my parents created me, I think I would be more stuffed up than I am right now. No, I'm serious. I mean, it's really a lot of things that I've got to work through. But I mean, oh, heck. I can't be how they created me to be. Otherwise, I'll be bound in a time and a place and never effective on earth. So we no longer pray, oh, God, I need this money. We pray like this. I release financial provision in my life, and I speak to the mountain of debt, and I command it to move. And united with the Godhead, I stand in this authority that you have given me. And then just to remember, the Bible says as well, even though I speak in the tongue of men and angels... If I have not love, I have nothing. So with the press, with the yucha, you get the love of God flowing into you, and then you can have everything, and you can do everything. Okay. Now, just in closing, again, third close. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't lying. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, never given your life to Christ, never surrendered your will and your ways to God, you need to do that today. And that happens through prayer. You're going to come face to face with God. You're going to tell him what a terrible person you are and ask him to make you a wonderful person. 
so that you don't have to feel guilty anymore. Because the Father says, I will take your sins, throw them far away into the rubbish bin, and I will remember your sins no more. That's what God says. So, let me see if I can get this thing to work. (laughs) Why doesn't it just go? Oh, what have I done? Okay, there, we're going to pray this together, if we could all just stand. The devil would love you to feel that you're unworthy. Can you all see this? Is it a little bit small? Okay, let's read it together, and I want to hear it in my ears here. Okay, one, two, three, let's go. Father God, I thank you that you love me and your desire is to save me, not only for heaven, but here on earth now today. So I ask you, Jesus, to become Lord and my Savior, to forgive every sin I have ever committed, to come into my life from today onwards. Thank you for saving me and bringing me into this amazing relationship with yourself. Stop. You have just prayed what is traditionally known as the sinner's prayer or the prayer to accept Jesus Christ. If this is the first time you've ever seen that prayer, don't you want to just put your hand up for me? If that's the first time you've ever seen that prayer. Okay. And if this is the first time you have ever prayed that prayer, don't you want to put your hand up for me? If this is the very first time you've ever prayed in this prayer, put your hand up for me. There you go. High hands, high hands. You have officially asked Jesus Christ into your life to become your Lord and Savior so that you can become pros yuho. You can become intimate with God. doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. You can have an intimate relationship with God. For those of you who raised your hands, there are quite a number of you in this area. I saw you. I've noted you. I want you to come and see me straight after the service. Okay, now, for the rest of us, we're going to pray this prayer here. Christians. All those, you're all Christians now, okay? (laughs) I release God's favor and blessing over my life. I release God's favor and blessing over my children and my loved ones. I release the favor of God and all his blessings over the church. I release God's favor and blessing over this person to my left, to my right, in Jesus' name. That is the new way to pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I think uh, we've got some mountains we can go and move. Uh, Good word, Jan. Thanks for reminding us that God has given us authority. God has given us the power of declaration. Whatsoever things you agree on earth, I will do. And let's uh, go out and move some mountains. Amen. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Jan. Stunning word.